social science in the city, speaking to Dr Francesco Tava, Senior Philosophy Lecturer at UE. Francesco, you recently co-authored a paper with Darian Meacham on the algorithmic disruption of workplace solidarity. Before we go into the techie side of things, could you explain what it means to have solidarity in the workplace and how this arises? Absolutely. Well, solidarity is a complex uh, relationship and uh, it's not only related to uh, the workplace or to working relations. But uh, historically, it has uh, had a very important uh, impact on the way in which uh, workers and laborers have uh, interacted with each other and also with the development of uh, uh, workers unions and uh, organizations within the labor movement. Essentially it's a relationship that arises whenever people decide to unite and to support each other not on the basis of what they are like uh, properties, uh, values or uh, the fact that they're all from the same countries for example, the fact that they share ethnicity, religion, which is also a typical source of solidarity. This specific solidarity, workplace solidarity, arises not on the basis of this, but on the basis of something that people do instead of uh, something that they are. And uh, this thing they do is uh, essentially working, so it's an activity. So, and uh, the good thing in, in this is that uh, people uh, sharing this uh, relationship can be totally different. They can have different backgrounds, different beliefs, uh, different... Uh, uh, you know, any kind of uh, uh, ways of being. But at the same time, they share this uh, common activity, this uh, fundamental activity which allows them to thrive, to survive, and also to, you know, to have a better life, potentially. And uh, this is a solidarity which has a very important uh, impact on uh, uh, recent history. So it especially uh, arose in uh, the 19th century in correspondence with the two very important uh, historical phenomena. The first one is uh, uh, industrialization, and the second one is uh, urbanization. So in a historical moment in which uh, uh, you know, crowds of people came to live together in very concentrated areas, which later became what we now call the big cities around the world, that moment also forced them to create, to establish new forms of collaborations of, and of solidarity. So for the first time, uh, these uh, huge masses of people had to come to terms and to somehow mediate and overcome their differences and to realize that the only thing which united them was actually work and that uh, this could be and should be the basis for a new ways of, of living together and of collaborating. And that was historically the origin of what we now understand as uh, workplace solidarity. Thank you for that explanation. So, how can solidarity become undermined or weakened? Yeah, again, uh, this depends uh, uh, on uh, what kind of solidarity we have in mind, of course. So, if we talk about uh, workplace solidarity, we can, we can see many ways, many risks that uh, this uh, specific relationship is actually uh, encountering. And, uh, well, historically, there are many theories of solidarity and uh, many descriptions, uh, classifications uh, of what solidarity is, of how it works. Uh, in my understanding, I think we can uh, highlight at least uh, two fundamental factors uh, which uh, allow the creation of uh, a stable uh, uh, solidaristic relationship. So the first one is the fact that people in solidarity share a common goal or uh, a common vision for the future. So I decide to be in solidarity with you because we both are ready and willing to fight, to struggle in order to achieve some goal, which might be 
liberty, freedom, or, for example, uh, a working week, better working conditions, right? That's typically, especially in the case of workplace solidarity, a condition which allowed the creation of this bond. And the second uh, fundamental element is the willingness to uh, take risks and to share risks in the pursuit of this uh, final end. Now, whenever these two elements are somehow weakened, whenever some force, some uh, uh, element uh, somehow weakens and, uh, and uh, makes one of these elements disappear, that's when solidarity is in danger. For example, if uh, political force, if, uh, if external social elements uh, somehow uh, discourage people from taking these risks and from uh, fighting together for these for, for this common aims, that's a condition whereby uh, very easily solidarity can, uh, can fade away and can disappear and more uh, individualistic, uh, selfish elements, selfish uh, motifs can emerge and uh, essentially take its place. And uh, again, we see that on a daily basis. And I think that, uh, once again, this is not just uh, uh, true in the case of workplace solidarity, but uh, in this specific context, uh, we see that, uh, I think, every day. So think about uh, how many uh, occasions or reasons there are for workers to feel uh, the weakening of this relationship, right? And, uh, and this also leads us to discussion about how uh, contemporary technology is also changing the way we create this bond between workers, right? For example, it's difficult to be in solidarity with other workers uh, if, uh, for example, there is not a physical workplace, a physical place where we can meet, where we can actually share a meal, share parts of our daily life, right? It's very difficult to be in solidarity when we all work from our living room without being uh, in a condition of creating a face-to-face -face kind of relationship, which is uh, which goes beyond this sort of bi-dimensional uh, Microsoft Teams sort of relationship. So the lack of a physical presence is one of the potential reasons why it may become much more difficult to establish what we have historically called uh, uh, workplace solidarity. And uh, this is, of course, related to our condition now, to the pandemic, to the fact that uh, our physical place has been uh, essentially modified by events, by uh, tragic circumstances. But uh, many other examples can also be easily uh, viewed, right? So the evolution of work, for example, and introduction of uh, uh, automated elements, automated agents, which somehow sometimes replace workers in activities which uh, have been performed for centuries by, by humans, right? Again, it's difficult to be in solidarity with a machine, for example. It's difficult to imagine um, solidaristic bonds which goes beyond our purely human uh, characteristics. So that's another condition whereby it becomes much more difficult to maintain and to, you know, to maintain and to uh, secure the centrality of this relationship. Yeah, that's interesting. So going further into that, what is automated decision making and how are new technologies such as machine learning impacting workplace solidarity? So automated decision making is a process which uh, has recently become uh, a major discussion topic, not just in science and technology, but also in social sciences, in philosophy, in psychology, also because of the enormous impact that it has on, on the way we live, on the way we conduct our everyday life. And this process is simply the process uh, whereby uh, fundamental decisions are taken not by uh, human agents, but by automated artificial agents. Just to make an example, 
when you have to apply for uh, for a mortgage, for example, right? You go to your bank website, you fill some basic info, and the computer will tell you if you are eligible or not so to uh, continue to get to to go to the next step and have a real meeting with uh, some uh, some bank accountant, right? This decision of uh, decision whether you can or cannot uh, even apply, even start your application, is not taken by a human. It's taken by an algorithm which uh, basically checks uh, all your uh, uh, factual data about your income, about your financial situation, and determines whether you can or cannot apply for a mortgage. Now, that's a very, what we call, a morally loaded decision, because it's a decision which can potentially determine my happiness or my unhappiness, right? Because if I cannot do that, my life can have, uh, you know, can be impacted in a very negative way. Nonetheless, this decision is uh, taken uh, on a normal, uh, uh, everyday basis by machines, by something that uh, is not, uh, cannot be considered ethical or moral in the same way in which we understand the humans as moral. Now, this phenomenon is becoming much more widespread in our everyday life, uh, uh, basically, every day. So uh, more and more uh, uh, automated processing uh, uh, and uh, decision-making is, uh, is being introduced in our daily life. And, uh, and uh, the more it happens, the more it becomes difficult to determine whether uh, an action or a line of actions can be considered uh, good or bad, right? Because uh, we kind of struggle to consider the behavior of a machine uh, uh, under, the under the terms of uh, goodness or badness, right? We tend to consider machines as morally neutral, even though this is becoming much more difficult to accept. And uh, of course, this also has an impact on the way we work, the way we conceive uh, and we perform what we call labor or uh, working activities, simply because uh, this uh, decision-making, is automated decision-making is also uh, you know, being introduced and becoming relevant in uh, uh, working situations whereby actions and uh, uh, performances have uh, often or always be actually taken and uh, uh, developed by humans, right? Think about the gig economy, think about uh, the, maybe the most uh, simple and uh, straightforward example is uh, Deliveroo, right? So the uh, software which uh, assigns, uh, uh, you know, tasks uh, to all uh, delivery drivers is entirely artificial. So it's not uh, Mr. Deliveroo who decides uh, which driver will actually do that specific delivery. So it's all based on a variety of, uh, of information, of data. Some of them are factual data. Some other are actually inferred data that the machine can achieve through some kind of internal processing. But uh, again, this uh, action, which is typically, which should be taken by, should be made by a human being, is made by, by a machine, right? So, and this uh, shows a sort of a, a gradual and a growing substitution of humans by machines in a variety of uh, roles, in a variety of uh, actions and performances. And this, of course, creates a problem, right? Uh, because uh, how can we maintain uh, our uh, solidaristic relationship as workers uh, in a condition where actually machines uh, start to play a major role in this, uh, in this sort of environment? So how can we uh, maintain that work is still the same as it used to be, for example, um, 150 years ago when the first uh, workers' as unions uh, were created? Now that uh, all those elements, uh, the presence of a physical workplace, uh, uh, classic traditional uh, workforces, uh, 
are actually gradually obliterated in favor of uh, a more uh, mixed uh, situation in which machines and humans both play a fundamental role in this. And uh, actually the argument in, uh, in the paper that uh, Darren and I wrote is that uh, a new revolution is actually happening, right? And uh, it's a revolution that's uh, it's quite similar to that uh, uh, which happened already in the 19th century. So even then, something totally new happened. And when I mentioned uh, industrialization, urbanization, that's exactly what I had in mind. So people uh, found themselves in a totally modified scenario. So new, huge cities, new relationships, uh, and new ways of conceiving uh, solidaristic relationships, right? Forced by this... Uh, historical occurrences. Now, the argument is that something similar is happening now. So in the same way in which uh, work and labor has been modified back then by the emergence of the Industrial Revolution, by the emergence of new ways of uh, conceiving uh, economy, the same is happening now on a new basis because of the emergence of these new digital technologies. And exactly as it happened back then, when a new kind of solidarity emerged, thanks to these uh, uh, developments, we argue that something similar may happen now. So we, may, we, we imply that, so we argue that a new solidarity could or should emerge even now after the latest developments that uh, we are currently foreseeing. And that's the challenge. I mean, we don't want to be too negative in this. We are not just saying that robots will take our job and that uh, humans will just stay home doing nothing. We're saying that uh, if humans still want to do something which we may define as work, and if they still want to form uh, solidaristic relationships out of this activity, they have to rethink work and they have to rethink solidarity. And that's, I think, the the next paper to write, also the next step that uh, this uh, potential line of research uh, could potentially, could possibly reach in the future.